Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Today I want to talk about another very important memorial, and that's the one that we celebrate. We're going to celebrate at the end of the service. And we've called it communion, um, a common union that we share in the body of Christ. Now, if you have a background growing up in a liturgical church, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry, you weren't there. But (laughs) if you were, you probably remember it was called the Eucharist. And that's a Greek word that means thanksgiving. So when Jesus established this practice for his followers, everyone at the Last Supper was Jewish. There were no Gentiles present. They were all celebrating a Passover meal that the Jewish people had celebrated year after year for millennia. And it was the celebration that they started that God inaugurated when he brought them out of of, uh, Egyptian bondage. And you can find it in Exodus chapter 6 where God made four promises to his people. So because of those four promises, there were four cups at this meal. And the first promise was, was, I will bring you out. And the second was, I will deliver you. The third cup is, I will deliver you. I will redeem you, excuse me. I will redeem you. Don't forget that one. And I will take is the fourth promise. Because today I want to talk about this practice of communion because it's so important that we understand it as something more than merely being symbolic. Deb, would you bring me my communion elements I forgot to bring them up here with me before I came up. Oh, oh, Melinda, you're wonderful. Thank you very much. So if you've all got this in the top there, and you have to be careful when you open it, by the way, a little bit later, not now. Don't do that now. But you have to peel away the top, and you get at the the little piece of bread that's in the top, and then you can peel back the whole thing to get at the, uh, the grape juice that's in it. If this is merely symbolic, if there's nothing, if there's no substance to this, it's not likely that Jesus would have taught it. It's not likely he would have said what he said. And the reason is he only said what he heard the Father saying and he only did what he saw the Father doing. Everything he did had purpose and meaning. If there's something about this that we need to understand so that we can bring the most to it, and receive the most from this that God wants to give us today. There is a kind of sad thing happening in the world today where a a number of folks, um, do I say that, Holy Spirit? Yeah, he said I can say it. They think they're all woke. And... And they think, they they present Jesus as a community organizer. But have you ever known a community organizer who would die for you? I think that's the whole thing that, that gets lost there is that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life for those who by his grace come to trust in him. So if he didn't die, we have no hope. None, none at all. 
We'll see in a moment where the Apostle Paul taught that every time we take communion, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. And why? Why aren't we celebrating his life? Well, we do that too. The resurrection is our hope. It's the hope that we're all going to rise because he rose before us. And he's going to come back, he's going to get us, and we're all going to rise up with him. In Matthew 1.21, the word of God tells us why Jesus came to the earth. Go, Dad, go. Woo! We, we had that planned. <laughs> wow. Blows me away. Joseph, Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the father. And so he wanted to put her away privately, which was a, a Jewish thing you had to do back in that day because a betrothal was the same thing as a marriage. You just weren't married until you did it in front of the whole crowd and, and had a hoopah over you, and then you went away and you consummated the marriage. And he knew he had not consummated the marriage with Mary. He was not the dad. So he had decided he was going to divorce her, and the angel came to him in a dream and said, Matthew one twenty one. he said, don't divorce her. The child she's carrying is holy. You will call his name Yeshua, Jesus, for he will sozo his people from their sins. And the Greek word sozo means he will rescue from, he will heal from, he will deliver from, and he will make them whole. There are the four promises of the four cups right there that Jesus has come to fulfill the Father's will. Now, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Thank God. He came to make dead people alive. We were all dead in our sin. If all he did was to come to make us a little bit better, well, they'd be a good community organizer, but how many of you would fall back into the bad stuff in a short time, right? Yeah, we're all, all guilty of that one. But in order for those of us who believe to be qualified for his kingdom, he had to die. He had to take the punishment we deserve. He had to take the death we deserve in order to release the freedom to us that he has, in order to release the life to us that he has. Sozo is a full meal deal. When you come to a place in your heart where you believe that Jesus is Lord and you confess as, as Lord, a lot of places, they seem to promote and teach the idea that you just got your fire insurance. You just got your ticket to heaven. But wait a minute, this is ongoing. He's rescuing me daily from my sin. I don't know about you, and I know maybe somebody will get and walk out of the room, but there's still sin in my life. Is there anybody here who has made it and you got no sin? Absolutely none? No, I don't see any hands up. That's good. Because I think we would have had the lightning follow after that. <laughs> that was our plan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so why don't we have the fullness of what Jesus did? Why, he, he just... He came to give all this stuff to us, and he said, I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to cleanse lepers. I want you to cast out demons, and I want you to raise the dead. Amen? 
Several years ago, I started this habit because I want to do what Jesus said. I started this habit when I heard that somebody had died and, and I didn't think that they should be dead because they're too young or for whatever reason. And my habit was to say to the Lord, Lord, do you want me to go to the morgue and raise them up? I'm his kid. He said that I would do this stuff. And one time, I heard him say this, a, a young man in our church had died in a motorcycle accident and I, I could not believe he should be dead. And his wife had just had a baby and he was just like, no, no, that baby needs a daddy. God, send me. Can, you, can I go to the mortgage and raise him up? And the Lord said, no, leave him with me. He said, I want you to raise the dead. He's not dead. A lot of people out there in the world are not alive. They're still dead in their sins. And part of our job is to get the word to them so that they can be raised up in the final day and as well as in this day and begin living day after day following Jesus alive in his kingdom, amen? Now, I think I have some answers to this question. Why don't we have the fullness now? And maybe some of us are gonna discover some new important information about communion. Um, the other night, uh, Monday night, we had a board meeting, and it was so much fun. It, our board meetings are always fun. They're never boring. And um, we, oh, we talk about what God is doing, and we have so much fun uh, serving together with one another. And toward the end of the meeting, Pastor uh, Kurt said to me, or he said to the whole group, he said, uh, is there anybody like to take the message Sunday morning? He said, I'd kind of like to have the weekend off. And we all kind of looked around at each other. And all of a sudden, our eyes are on Pastor Rick. You know, we love Pastor Rick, amen? And, and he's always instant in season. That guy can deliver anytime. And Pastor Matt was too busy. Pastor Rick was not sure he'd need to pray about it. And, and I thought, well, and I actually said this. I said, well, you know me. I always need six weeks to prepare for a message. <sighs> So then Wednesday night came, and, and I went to my, I, I lead the Sozo Freedom Steps team, and uh, Sozo Ministry is an inner healing and deliverance ministry. You can find us on the website if you ever want to get a Sozo session. We're on the City Lights website, plus you can just Google Sozo Freedom Steps and come up, get a session set up if you want to. But um, I prepared a message for communion. Uh, Pastor Hannah Hartman had asked me, she said, would you lead communion? I said, sure. And um, so I, I delivered this message. And Pastor Hanna looked at me and said, you need to teach that to the church. And I felt like my mother had just spoken to me. <laughs> so I said, well, bless God, I only do what God tells me to do. And um, I didn't say that, that was my attitude. And so I'm, I'm walking to my car after, we had a great meeting by the way, it was awesome. And, and I said, Holy Spirit, do you want me? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm texting Pastor Kurt, I'll speak Sunday. And uh, so praise God, he and his family are hopefully out there probably climbing some 14er in the rain or something. You know, who, they, they have a strange idea of what entertainment is, right? Well, let's get on, let's get on with this. I'm gonna read from the book of Ephesians here in a minute. There's a small 
portion of scripture I'm going to read, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about before we get to that portion. But you should all read the book of Ephesians whenever you get a chance. You ought to read it two or three times a day, probably. It's an amazing book. And um, in this portion of scripture, I'm going to follow up with a portion in Colossians that would kind of mirrors what Ephesians was about, and it lines up with something that David did, the Holy Spirit did in him before he came up here. I just find it amazing how God is in charge of this. He's in charge. We need we just, you know, we just need to trust him, right? He's pretty good, pretty smart. In a nutshell, Ephesians chapter four, the first part, one through 25 says, walk worthily of the calling to which each one of you is called. Be humble, gentle, patient, and love one another. Be diligent to guard the unity of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. Recognize we are one body with one Spirit, one Lord, in one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There are not many bodies of Christ in the earth today. There's only one. And they go by a lot of different names, but those names do not define them. It might define some of the doctrine they believe and that they walk in, but if their faith is in Jesus Christ, they are of the body of Christ. Amen? So it goes on here. We're going to read this. Um, It says that each of us has grace which is heavenly influence and spiritual empowerment to live this new way according to the measure of Christ. And I want you to keep in mind, these are not works that we do. This isn't something that we have to, by human effort, build ourselves up and get rid of, and be humble and be gentle. And You know, false humility is so sickening. It is just gross. True humility is coming to agreement with God in what he says about you. It takes great humility to agree with what he says. All right? So let's read here in Ephesians. Pop that up there. Chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put off falsehood, let each one of us speak truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another. Verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Let not the sun go down on your anger and neither have neither give opportunity to the devil. I'm going to hold right there for a minute. We all have the ability to be angry, right? Yeah, put that hand up. You're, we all got it. You have it because our Father created us in his likeness and image. And he gets angry. But thank God it says it's for a moment. Thank God for a nanosecond Dad gets angry. We need to learn how to do that too, right? When I'm angry, by all means, before the sun goes down on the day, I need to get rid of it. If I don't and I carry that anger into the next day, it becomes unrighteous. It becomes something the devil can use his opportunity to get an advantage over me. All right, so we got to deal with our anger quickly. Verse 28, the one stealing, hopefully no one's still doing that, but let him steal no more. Rather, let him toil, working with his own hands what is good, so that he may have something to impart to the one having need. Now, I want to say this real quick and move on. I've never seen this before until I was studying the other day. We all work in order to pay our bills and to maybe build some wealth in our family and to move forward in life, right? But our New Testament attitude is, I work to have something to give to others. 
I'll let that sink in for a while. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome word go forth out of your mouth, but only good for edification, building up of the need, so that you may give grace to those who are hearing. When grace is given to you, you can give it away. Isn't that interesting? Grace is an empowerment from heaven to know and do God's will. Don't forget this. Grace is amazing. Grace, grace carries us. Grace enables us. Get a hold of this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, he doesn't leave. He doesn't go stand in the corner. No, he stays in here and he gets real quiet. I don't like it when the Holy Spirit's quiet. Okay? And, and so I don't want to grieve him. If I have grieved him, I want to quickly get that taken care of. Verse 31, let all bitterness, rage, anger, clamor, and slander be removed along with all malice. And again, you can go to the website and you can get set up for a soaking prayer encounter or you can get set up for a sozo or you can do both if you're struggling to get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, clamor. And don't be these kind of Christians that do this, oh God, help me forgive. He's gonna say, oh, shut up and just do it. You know, if you have struggled to forgive someone, I want you to do one thing for me. Find that place in the Bible where it shows Jesus on the cross in the worst pain of his life, the perfect son of God, beaten beyond belief, hanging there on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Did you know everybody who's ever hurt you in their life did not know what they were doing? Did you know every time you've hurt someone, you didn't know what you were doing? Honestly, Jesus told us the truth when, it, when he said that on the cross, and I have to believe it. And it makes it a lot easier for me to forgive the ones who've abused me. He didn't know what they were doing. Okay, keep going, number 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, also in Christ, uh, as God has forgiven you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as his beloved children. And this is in chapter 5, verse 1, and then in verse 2 it says, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave him up, himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God into an aroma of a sweet smell. Now, no time for more commentary. Let's go over to Colossians 3, um, verse 1. We're going to go up to verse 15 here, but we'll start with 1 and 2. So if you were raised with the Messiah Jesus, which you all have, if you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, you've been raised with him, you're seated in heavenly places with him. Seek the things above where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God. Focus your minds on the things above, not on the things here on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. Wait a minute, Jesus, you came to give dead people life so you could kill them again? Well, that old Bill that was born here that used to be alive until about age 33, that guy's dead. But the one that's standing here today is only standing here because Christ in him is giving life. And the fullness of my life is hidden in Jesus. Anyway, it's a mystery. I haven't figured it out yet. And when I do, I'll write the book and you'll all buy it. 
When the Messiah who is our life appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Jesus is returning, amen? Verse five, therefore put to death the earthly parts of your fallen nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is a form of idolatry. And for it is because of these things that God's anger is coming on those who disobey him. And verse seven, true enough, you used to practice these things in life that you once lived. Amen? I had one guy tell me years ago, this is a long, long time ago, he says, you're part of that church that has all those alcoholics and prostitutes in it, aren't you? And I said, well, there's quite a number of them, former alcoholics, former prostitutes. And he said, well, I'd never be a part of that place. And I said, well, then I guess you'll never be a part of the body of Christ. You see, there's a day coming here soon when we're going to see him pouring in the doors. I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen, but when that happens, it's very important that those of us who look good and smell good and wear our hair perfect, okay, that we receive them, that we receive them with joy and, and that we don't try to conform them to our likeness and image. Amen? Well, let's keep going here. I think I got off track. Okay. And it says, therefore, put away anger, aspiration, exasperation, meanness, slander, obscene talk. You all know what that is. You've all been guilty of it. And never lie to one another because you have stripped away the old self with its ways and you have put on the new self, put on Christ, which is continually being renewed continually being renewed, fuller and fuller in knowledge, closer and closer to the image of Christ, the creator. Verse 11, the new self allows no room for discriminating between Gentile or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, foreigner, savage, slave, free man. Did they put it up there? Free man. Oh, they didn't. My notes say tattooed or pierced or untattooed or unpierced. You see, yeah, we had a big controversy about 25 years ago in the church about, gee, should we let those people with the tattoos be up on the platform during worship? Do, do we want that one with the nose ring to be greeting at the door? Now, if you've got a nose ring, don't be condemned. I don't have one. I don't plan to get one. Do you? No, my wife says no, Okay. But I absolutely will not use that as a means to judge someone else. Amen? Amen. That's what I love about this place. Verse 14 says this. Or did I jump too far ahead? I did, didn't I? Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with feelings of compassion, with kindness, Humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against someone else, forgive him. I need to stop right there. I just got this from the Lord the other day. Someone called me a couple months ago. Used to go to the church I was on the staff of. They knew me from there. They're living in another state. And they called and said, Pastor, can we talk to you? We need counsel. I said, yeah, sure. I love you guys. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Everything. And then all of a sudden, here came all the garbage about what was going on in their lives. Now, it says here to forgive him. 
There were a whole bunch of people in that garbage that needed to be forgiven, and the Lord showed me I needed to forgive the ones who were complaining. They should have taken their complaint directly to the Lord and heard what he had to say. But since they brought it to me, that's okay. I'll hear what you have to say, but then we're gonna pray together and we're gonna forgive. And I made them do that with me. And these things are horrible that were happening to them. I said, we must forgive because God has forgiven us. Amen? I got at least three people in agreement. Let me say it again. We must forgive others because God has forgiven us. Amen. Amen. And it's not always easy. I know that. But we can help one another do it. So indeed, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must in the same manner forgive others. That's what spoke to me when he was on the cross. And he said, they don't know what they're doing. So in the same manner he forgave the whole world, I forgive everybody else. Verse 14, above all these things, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together perfectly. And let the shalom, which comes from Messiah, the Prince of Shalom, be your heart's decision maker. Follow after peace. For this is why you were called to be part of the single body and to be thankful. And I want you to understand, a Jewish friend of mine said years ago, uh, she said to me that shalom in the Jewish mind is wholeness. All parts present, no parts missing, no parts broken. Jesus is the prince of shalom. And so when the Jews greet one another with shalom, they're speaking wholeness to one another. Isn't that cool? Now, Here it says to let shalom that comes from Messiah be your heart's decision maker. And we've just come out of a year where fear has controlled people and caused even some of us to be controlled and make decisions based on fear. Right? Yep. Um, It was absolutely tangible uh, at the shutdown last March. I, I told Deb when I came home from the... King Supers one day, I said, man, I felt like I was slogging around in fear because these people are scared to death. They're scared to death because they don't know God. They don't know his protection. They don't know that they don't need to live in fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and sound mind. Remember the question I asked you at the beginning, why do we not walk in the fullness of what Jesus came to give us? Why don't we see people raised from the dead? Why aren't we seeing uh, lepers cleansed? Why aren't we seeing demons cast out? By the way, just come sit in the sozo session for a while. We'll get, you'll, you'll get over that in a hurry. We never focus on the demonic, which is really interesting. We always focus on Jesus and the demonic leaves. So many times we never even have to say anything to the, that evil spirit of fear or that evil spirit that was trying to harm the person. So I have one answer because we are works in progress. You haven't been completed yet. The Bible says that. I could show you where, but we don't have time. We are being rescued. We are being healed. We are being delivered. We are being redeemed. If we engage with him like David did this morning, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to him and say, you got some stuff I want you to get rid of. And being an obedient son, yes, Father, what do you want me to get rid of? There are many in the world who are beginning to walk in the fullness. It is so exciting to hear 
some of the testimonies from around the world and some of the miracles that are going on. And it's been happening in the past. There have been times and seasons, during revival especially, when it seems like the power of God is pouring forth and, and miracles are more present. But I am convinced that it's available to all of us right now. Again, I had two people in agreement there, right? Yeah, that's okay. I'm not trying to embarrass you. By grace, the heavenly empowerment that comes to me to activate my faith in Jesus, that's how things get done. So never give up. Never quit pursuing him. Never believe that you've got all there is. The best is yet to come. Remember these scriptures do not give us works to do in order to become worthy of more grace. We don't earn grace. We walk boldly to the throne and ask for it. It's an amazing thing. I said to the Lord uh, this about a year ago and, and he said, you need more grace. And I said, yeah, I know, but I've been reading about all those angels flying around and they're singing holy, holy and the fire and the, everything going on in the throne room. And he said, you're supposed to come in boldly. And I said, into that atmosphere? He said, yes, you're my son, come in. And I said, I can come in the back door behind your throne. He said, no, you're coming around to the front. And so I did. I came around to the front and I said, dad, I need more grace. And I got it. It poured upon me. It didn't feel a thing, but I knew that I knew in my heart that he had done what he said he would do because he never lies. Amen. Now, Every time Paul established a new church, it was always made up of some Jewish believers and a whole bunch of Gentiles. And because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And the Jewish people, because of their traditions, understood the Passover meal, which they had come together to celebrate as the Lord's Supper. And the church in Corinth in Greece was a rowdy bunch of enthusiastic believers. That word enthusiastic came from the Greek... And theos, meaning full of God. They were full of God believers, amen? And we, we want to be an enthusiastic bunch of believers, amen? So these Gentile believers did not know a lot about Jewish traditions, and Paul had to teach them because they were messing some things up. And they were coming together to eat a full meal. The original communion was a Seder meal. That's what Jesus started with. And by the way, he did not teach that you have to be a priest in order to bless the elements. He didn't teach that. And Paul didn't teach it either. So when we pray later today, we each are going to bless these elements. And you should do this at home as often as you want to do it. All right. So Paul was bringing this correction. The correction was that the wealthier Corinthians, the people who had, were eating first before the have-nots could eat. And the have-nots were coming to the table getting the crumbs. And Paul didn't want that attitude in the church. Okay? And so here's what he had to say. In um, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, we'll get this up. For what I received from the Lord is just what I passed on to you, that the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, on the night he was retained, took bread And after he had made the bracha, the blessing, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memorial of me. And likewise also the cup after the meal. This is the third cup. This is the cup of redemption that he's lifting up. This cup is the new covenant effected, put into effect in my blood. 
Do this as often as you drink it in memorial of me. So you don't have to do it just once a week. You can do this as often as you want. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of Jesus, the Lord, until he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the Lord's bread or drinks the Lord's cup in an unworthy or irreverent manner will be guilty of desecrating the body and the blood of Jesus. So let a person examine himself first, and then he may eat the bread and drink from the cup. And are you getting the same words up there that I've got here? Yeah, good, okay. Um, For the person who eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Don't let fear come upon you. This is love, and he's showing us something valuable for us. This is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. If we would examine ourselves, like David gave us an example of this morning, we would not come under judgment. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. And always remember, discipline is correction. It's not punishment. A good father corrects his family. Amen? Now, my father punished us, but my heavenly father has never punished me. The reason is he punished Jesus. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was beaten. He was punished for me. Amen? And in the kingdom of God, there is no double jeopardy. You're not going to be punished for your sins if Jesus is your Lord. Now, you really need to get a hold of that. Okay. Where are we, Lord? These three sections of Scripture do not explicitly tell us that sickness is directly related to unforgiveness or any other sin in our lives. But it takes, if we take a closer look at 1 Corinthians 11, 27, we must understand what it means to eat the Lord's bread and drink the Lord's cup in an unworthy or irreverent manner. Remember the Corinthians were a rowdy bunch, former prostitutes, drunkards, drug users, street people, and rich people who all indulged themselves in the pleasures of life because Corinth was the Las Vegas of its day. Maybe even worse than Las Vegas, okay? And Paul wanted them to know how important the Lord's Supper is so that they could approach it correctly and benefit from it as God intended. Eating in an unworthy or irreverent manner is referring to the status-conscious people in Corinth that I told you about who were rejecting the poorer members. And they, they were not receiving one another in Christ as he receives all of us. Oh, Lord, help us get this all done. Will you give me a couple more minutes? Yeah. All right. So we're all equal in his eyes. Amen? All lives matter to God. Jewish teachers were teaching in that day that God punished the righteous for their few sins, but he would punish the world for all of their wickedness. And Jewish teachers believed that suffering could free you from further punishment. Now, that idea, that religious idea crept into the church, and it got, it got instituted in church belief <clears throat> and has been carried forward, unfortunately, because people don't know what the scripture says and it doesn't, they don't know, they don't understand, they're not taught. Jesus was punished for me. I don't have to suffer to, in order to have or deserve what God wants for me. But I will suffer 
because it's in the world. It's going to happen. And I may do something to bring the, the, uh, the suffering upon me myself. <coughs> Excuse me, that's what the, the teacher that's telling us. And so we want to avoid doing that. <coughs> All right, thank you, Lord. I love water. <coughs> this cough has to go in the name of Jesus. So we don't want to pick up that ugly old belief about suffering. Can't tell you how many times I heard as a counseling pastor, why is God punishing me like this? Why do I have to suffer? Well, probably because you haven't read the book and you don't believe it. I'm not trying to be cruel, but the, the honest to God fact is when you read it, you got to believe it. Amen. You got to take it as, as the gospel truth. You got to believe it. While I do not believe, I do not believe for a moment God teaches us with suffering or he teaches us with sickness or anything like that. I don't believe that for a moment. Why would he have Jesus, his own son, pay the ultimate price to release healing and life to us if he wanted to use those things to lead us? No, he leads us with his Holy Spirit. Okay? But if you're sick, if you're struggling with a sickness, ask the Holy Spirit, how do I overcome this? Is there anything you want me to get rid of? Is there anything in my heart that is allowing the enemy to take advantage of me? That's the important thing to know if you, if you do come up with, with uh, any kind of sickness. I can bring judgment upon myself if I approach the Lord's Supper unprepared and without any faith to receive something that I need to live this Christian life because he's providing everything I need. If I come with the wrong attitude and the wrong belief, this will, will have a negative effect upon me and I'm the one responsible. Amen? So if I treat the body and blood of Jesus as merely symbolic, this is just a tasteless little cracker and some stale grape juice. If that's all I see here, I don't know what's going to happen. But if I take a moment and I ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me anything in me that's not pleasing to you. I know you're not going to leave me. I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. Yes, Lord, I confess I need to forgive that when I do now. I choose to forgive that and release that. Yes, Lord, I know I was angry with my wife the other day and I took my anger to bed and I shouldn't have done it. It wasn't her fault, it was mine. <laughs> so, Lord, get me ready because I want to receive at the table what you got for me. And then, you know, if I do this, he's going to get me ready and then the second thing that's going to happen is after we pray, this becomes spiritual food. It becomes the body and the blood of Jesus to feed me spiritually. Now, I know the teaching that says if you pray, this becomes literally the body and literally the blood of Jesus. I don't believe that. I believe that I could pray over this for the next 16 years and it would still be a stale cracker and, and some old grape juice. If you put it under a microwave, that's what you'd find. Microwave, a, micro, a microscope. Yeah, you might want to put it in the microwave. It might taste better. Um, 
But if, if, I, if, I, uh, if I pray over this, knowing what the word of God says, then I understand these words of Jesus are very important. I'm going to read them in a minute. And, and I, I, I begin to see here in those four cups in that meal that Jesus started, he will rescue and save us from this world. He, he pays a huge price for our healing and our deliverance, and he's always giving that to us. His redemption in Christ is guaranteed for all who believe and trust in him. And he has a great day ahead when we'll all be gathered to him. Amen? Now, Paul seems to indicate there is some suffering that might go along here if you, if you don't do this with the right heart. But keep in mind, he was speaking to those Corinthians who were coming to the table before the others, and they weren't treating everybody with love. They weren't treating everybody equally. So there are three things I want to give you and hopefully land this plane successfully. You know, I have, a, I have a, a pilot friend who says that a plane landing is a controlled crash. <laughs> you can laugh. <laughs> I've never been in a real crash, thank God. I hope you never are. But in a lot of controlled crashes. We're going to try to control this one and get, get to the landing gear. All right, we're dropping the landing gear now. Number one, do not be afraid. Ask the Holy Spirit, who is your helper, your comforter, your teacher, and your guide, Lord, is there anything you want me to confess or renounce before I take this? You give him a moment, you're quiet. If nothing comes to mind, good, you're ready to go. But if something does come that you gotta confess quickly, yep, do it quickly. Because according to 1 John, 3, or 1 John 1, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's it. Yes, Lord, I confess. I am angry at that one, and I forgive them. Am I forgiven, Jesus? Yes. The only legal answer is yes, you're forgiven. Number two, don't be in a hurry. After you've done step number one, look around you. Make sure that in your heart you recognize the body of Christ, that you see the body of Christ in everybody in the room, even that one with the, with the dreadlocks that you don't like, even in that one with all the tattoos and all the piercings. No, you look around the room and you see, my God, this is the body of Christ. This is Jesus, and I am part of it. I'm in the midst of the Lord. Amen? How cool is that? It's both a solemn thing and it's a joyful thing because the third thing that we do is we celebrate. We celebrate the promise he has, the promise of redemption. That's what we look forward to in the future. Jesus is here feeding us to help us grow into becoming who he is and what he's like. And he feeds us his own body and his own blood. I'm gonna show you here what it says in John chapter 6, verse 53 to 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you shall have eaten the flesh of the Son of Man and shall have drunk his blood, you do not have life in yourself. The, the one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him in the last day. Remember, Jesus can't lie. For my flesh is true, true food, and my blood is true drink. 
And the one eating my flesh and drinking my blood abides in me and I in him. And as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so also the one feeding on me, he will live because of me. This is the bread coming down from heaven, not as the fathers ate in the desert, the manna they were given, and they died. But this, the one eating this bread will live to the age that is to come and forever thereafter. So we're about to take communion. I want you to remain seated. But so that everybody in the room is, understands that you're welcome to join us. If there's anyone in this room who has not asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, you have an opportunity to do that now. That would be the first thing you'd want to do. You'd want to get that taken care of. If you believe what I've been teaching is accurate and it's true, and you believe that Jesus died for you, then this would be the time that you can just say quietly in yourself or you can speak it out loud, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are the Lord. I believe you died for me. Is there anyone in the room that wants me to pray for them before we proceed here? Put a hand up if there are any. You can't see up there, Bill. There's no seeing up there. All right. I'm going to have you all say this with me right now. Jesus, I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you went to the cross for me. When you died, I died in you. And when you rose from the dead, you gave me the hope that I will rise in you. Jesus, be my Lord and feed me now the food I need to live the life that you have set for me. Amen. Please remain seated. We've all been talking about number one, to ask the Holy Spirit. We've all had a moment to do that by now, I'm sure. There are even people who were prepared on their way to church today, like David. And, uh, you know, he just got rid of some things so he could be all prepared to have, uh, have communion. I think that's so cool. If you're ready then, I want you to look around the room. Just look at one another. Make sure if, if you, you know, I can't see everybody, but anyway. Yep, they're all there, Lord. Yep, I see them. Wow, what a body. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Hi, guys. Praise the Lord. This is the body of Christ, man. Let's peel away that little top and get ready to take the, uh, the body, the spiritual food that's going to feed me. And I remember, I remember when he died, he was beaten to smithereens. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The punishment I deserved was put upon him, giving me life. I thank you, Jesus, for this. And I recognize your body. I thank you for coming to earth to give your life. I thank you for taking all the punishment we deserved and bearing the death that was due for our sins. Thank you that we are forgiven, we are cleansed, we are fully worthy to receive your body and your blood because of what you've done on our behalf. Do you have that graphic you could put up there? If anybody feels they're not worthy to do this, 
want you to remember that you are worth the death of Jesus. That's how much God loves me. And I was in a sozo recently where a guy couldn't hear God speaking to him to start out. And after we'd done some forgiveness work and stuff like that, I said, let's go back and ask Jesus again. Jesus, what do you think of me? And Jesus said, I love you to death. That's exactly what he did for us. He loves us so much, he died for us. So let's take the body of Jesus for that spiritual food we all need. <laughs> I just heard the Holy Spirit said, be careful. Mm. Now what do we do with a cup? We hold it up and I propose a toast. This is a toast to Jesus for what he's done for us for the life that is released for his new covenant. It's right here. It's being released in me. And let's drink of the cup. Glory to God. The last thing I remember is what's coming ahead. Jesus, you're not done yet. You're building capacity in us to grow in you. You're doing that. That came right out of the word this morning. I'm looking ahead to what he has ahead for us. I'm looking ahead to the day when this place will be so packed with people we won't know what's happening, what's going on, or how we're to handle it. Lord, I bless your people now as they return to their lives out there in Greeley and all around this area. I bless them, Lord, that each day they would know that it's in you they live and move and have their being. And each day we remember it's in me that you live and have your being. You are, you are the lights of the city of Greeley by God's grace. So help us, Lord, to shine brightly and to walk in your pathways and your promises. Help us receive one another and help us love one another as you receive us and love us in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.